I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 gambling advice, and the home of the advanced statistical model that is Beta Rank, which, by the way, had an awesome week this past week, which I'm sure Rob will talk about. Thank you for joining us. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 12 pack radio. You can subscribe for free on Google play tune in radio, Apple podcasts, you name it. We are there. We're on Spotify only four games, which I thought was fascinating. It got us a chance to really dive deep into each game last week. And we'll definitely talk about those and also preview all of the games coming up in week 10. We're in double digits now week 10. And I'm joined as always by Mr. Max Meyer of sports illustrated. What's going on, Max? Not much. Uh, best bets went one and one this week. Uh, one and zero. Oh, Pack twelve. Zero oh and one. Thanks again, uh, Penn State. For I, I've lost a decent amount of money betting against Penn State this year, and, and it's it's definitely frustrating. And then the two leans I had uh, were Washington State plus fourteen, and I guess what stopped me from pulling the trigger there was I just. I, I I thought that Oregon, like I know, it was a letdown spot. I just really had trouble seeing how. Um, Washington State's defense would stop Oregon. And at least I was right on that part, but Oregon's defense couldn't exactly stop Washington State. And then the other lean that I actually played because the KJ Costello news came out uh, was Stanford. And I said it on the pod when it came out at plus three. I was like, if, if KJ Costello's in, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to have to play Stanford. And I got it at one and a half um, on Saturday. And it closed at three and they won by 10. So one and one, but the leans were two and oh, but they won't count for the official record, but still above 60% on the year. Yeah, I'm going to say, Max, you nailed it. We went head to head on that Arizona pick and you like everything that you had mentioned was absolutely right. I thought KJ Costello, even if he played, uh, wouldn't move that offense as quickly as he did. I mean, they dropped a 40 burger on Arizona. We'll dive into that game in a little bit, but uh, I went three and two. So I'm 32 and 22 on the year. But Max, my goodness, you keep pulling away four and one on the on the week, 35 and 20, like you mentioned, above 60 percent. And you continue to get it done. Rob was two and three, 27 and 27. Rob kind of pulling up, uh, you know, sucking hind teeth here. What's going on? Whatever, I don't care. And the game, and the, I pick every game with Beta Rank, and Beta Rank went sixty three percent last week. <laughs> so <laughs> the pack, I could, I could go zero and five in the Pac twelve, but Beta Rank goes sixty three percent. That is fine. A Pac twelve eyes math. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does a little bit, or you know, like uh, Marcus, uh, or not Marcus, or like uh, Andy Avalos's game plan defied math. Um, <laughs> Against uh, against Washington State. Now it was uh, I mean it was a tough week I suppose for the for the calls. Like I, I ended up taking Stanford 
you know, once uh, once it was announced that Costello was going to play uh, and, and Bader Inc. had that one. But, I mean, Arizona State just mauled or, I mean, actually dropped the ball, got mauled by UCLA. Um, that was a little unexpected. So, yeah, that was Garbage a I made it look closer. But ugh. yeah, that was that was a uh, a full and complete beatdown. And you're right. Beta rank had an excellent week and uh, and also called the Texas Tech over Texas uh, pick, which was great. And, so. uh, TCU. Oh, yeah, TCU. Oh, yeah, man, if Texas Tech beat Texas, ooh, buddy. Uh, yeah, I called the TCU upset and a couple other ones, so a uh, really fun week. But that's neither here nor there. We are going to review uh, week nine and a lot of interesting action to cover. Let's go with you, Max. What, 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 give me one thing that stood out for you uh, in the Pac-12 this past week. Um, I'll go I'll go Oregon. Like, Oregon's defense, I'm, I just the, – the past two games – uh, it, it's been a nightmare. I mean, we we were touting this defense up, and, and admittedly, before the Washington game, I said that the defense, like I thought that the defense was still really good, but they definitely benefited from their schedule. And now, after the uh, performances that they allowed Jacob Beeson and Anthony Gordon to have in back to back weeks, man, uh, that defense has definitely uh, dropped off. And I think for the second consecutive week. I feel like Oregon should have lost that game. Uh, I mean, they, they beat Washington State by two, but Washington State had two big drop touchdown passes, and one of them that was dropped, uh, that drive ended up being a field goal, and another one that was dropped was the Brandon Arcanado one that was an interception. And so, yeah, no, I think Oregon was extremely fortunate to come out of this game. Uh, they have a tricky upcoming game against a banged up but still potent USC team. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that that game is a really fascinating game to me. Yeah, a lot of fun games coming up here. And I, I enjoy the Oregon-Washington State game. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the podcast. Rob, what stood out for you this week? Uh, I mean, what stood out for me was the total obliteration of the University of California at Berkeley <laughs> in Salt Lake. <laughs> I mean, uh, Utah has we we sort of seen Utah get on a roll, I guess you could say, and they've been really been climbing. Um, you know, the the model sort of called that that game that they lost at USC because um, they weren't playing that well in the, uh, early in the season. Uh, it sort of woke them up, and man, they had just been rolling, and that detonation of Cal, I think, was uh, was interesting, and it just it leaves you uh, at least offensively um you know you have to feel pretty good about the Utes coming into this matchup against Washington because uh Utah's really really running the ball well my favorite play from that game was the play action where the freshman quarterback from Cal uh, you know turns to fake the handoff and Leaky Fotu looks like oh, Usain Bolt's like running from me just that nobody should be that big and that fast and if you've yeah. ever played Madden or NCAA football like the one thing you don't do when you have you're facing an outmanned uh, defensive line is to do the play action and right when he turned to hand the ball and he turned away I'm like oh no <laughs> like he's gonna destroy your face and he certainly did he's lucky actually that uh, Fotu didn't fall directly on him he kind of fell to the side but that was a heck of a play a real big uh a real big highlight in the pac 12 on my end let's you know I, I just want to talk about ucla so um now obviously they lost to oregon state but the last two games uh, ucla has really started to turn up the uh the dial i mean joshua kelly's back um i you know we had all picked 
ASU because I think the line was about minus three last week. And we all said it like kind of begrudgingly. Oh, no, if we all pick this, it's probably not going to happen. And it didn't. Uh, UCLA really was able to put the pedal to the metal, particularly on the ground. I loved the way. And I, I just think that it's fun to watch Josh uh, Joshua Kelly when he's healthy. 164 yards on the ground and four freaking touchdowns. And like you mentioned, Rob, ASU looked like this was a close game. But that was because in the fourth quarter, they uh, they really dropped a low. Jaden Daniels started putting it together. But at the end of the day, this was like a full and uh, uh, full and inappropriate th- throttling. Max, when you look at UCLA, what like what's changed? Has the light bulb gone on? Is it just because Joshua Kelly's healthy? Is it the uh, the type of uh, teams that they're playing? Um, I, I feel like to me, I was more surprised with. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say that's a surprise with Arizona State's defense just because that was another unit that I thought was overrated and inflated uh, based on their early games. But yeah, I mean, and I don't know, like that game was just interesting to me because, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I'm pretty sure ASU actually had more yards per play, like by a considerable amount than UCLA. I think if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, Arizona State had 6.8 yards per play versus UCLA's 4.9. But then again, I mean, that's a lot of it was game script just because Arizona State was trailing by so much at the beginning. But maybe, I mean, with with Arizona State, it's just that their offensive line, um, it, it, it kind of limits the ceiling for this offense. And I think the, the run game wasn't particularly effective, but UCLA has actually been doing a, a, a good job uh, stopping the run, at least compared to the past this year. But yeah, I mean, ASU, they've really cratered. And, and, you know, and we did say that this was a trap line on the podcast and we all went uh, (laughs) face first into the trap and yeah, no, totally blew up in our face. But yeah, no, I mean that, that line was, I mean, that line was basically daring you to take ASU and I wish I would have, you know, trusted the odds makers out in the desert versus my gut and yeah, backfired. Hey, it happens. It happens. That was the only loss you had. So I think you're excused, <laughs> Max. From I, I knew I was not betting on that game. That that line, it just it seemed too good to be true, and I knew that, and I thought it was a trap, and I I knew that that was on on an unbettable game for me. Uh, I went three and two on the podcast, and then um, ended up taking Cal when that line popped up to twenty one and a half, and went zero oh and three in Vegas. So it was a, a rough week on my end. I'm still up a lot, but. Uh, Rob, I want to know the rankings here. What beta rank has all the teams? I'm sure Utah made a jump. I'm curious about Oregon. I'm curious where UCLA is, by the way. But before I do that, let's talk about Vivid Seats because we're live from the Vivid Seats studio. Clothing optional. Uh, next Sunday, it's the can't-miss game of the year if you are an Oregon fan. No, I'm just kidding. If you're a Utah fan, roll it into Washington. Uh, but if you're going to any of these games, if you need tickets, check out Vivid Seats. Download their app. Um, I've used it. It's great. Um, when I went to the Arizona-Washington game, I used the Vivid Seats app, used the promo code overtime. I saved about $15 on my ticket to the game, which is great. Uh, Vivid Seats is the top source of tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price, look up seats by section, row of your choice, all on the app. To make everything better, Vivid Seats actually has a loyalty program now, which allows fans to earn credit back, which is called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the rewards program right when you download. Every purchase is backed by 100% guarantee. And it's all when you use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So thanks for Vivid Seats for sponsoring the podcast. Rob, 
if one were to go to one of these games, what would be the number one team in beta rank right now in the Conference of Champions? That would be the Utah Utes, who nice. are uh, a dangerous number five in beta rank, in fact. In the country. They, uh, they were number nine last week. They're up to number five. The offense is up to number 14 uh, after what they did to the Cal Bears. Uh, the defense is sitting pretty at number four. Um, special teams is a little less special for the Utes this year. They're at number 58. Who are some of the other ones behind them? Like, where are the top three right now? So Oregon dropped a little um, after their game with uh, with Washington State. So they're at number 17. Um, Washington State actually comes in at number 27. Washington fell a little bit, too, partly because uh, some of the some of the teams that they had been rated against for how they had played against them also fell. So Washington comes in at 31. USC at 32. Um, then you've got the Arizona State UCLA poo poo platter at 41 and 42. And then, I mean, there's like, there's some teams that, I mean, like Stanford, like you kind of wonder they're sort of, you know, sitting there at 70. We'll see where it, it shakes out as the model tries to catch up with KJ Costello coming back. But yeah. Max, do you have any questions for Rob? Well, I'm glad that Rob said that Utah is fifth in the country because I had a very polarizing tweet on um, last night saying that not only did I think that Utah was the best team in the Pac-12, I thought I think that they're a, six, a top six team in the country. And uh, sure, sure enough, I mean, I got a bunch of Utah support. Not surprisingly, I mean, they are <laughs> definitely one of the the more um, how do I put it? I, I guess. Populous, I, I like like they rally, they Vocal. rally, they rally yeah. around their fan base on Twitter. Like it, it's it's definitely uh, I, I love that I love Utah Twitter. But then there were also some people that were like, "What are you talking about, Utah? I mean, are we sure that even a Pac twelve deserve a Pac twelve team deserves to be in the top 10? And so I, I'm just I really really like this Utah team. Uh, obviously, the one loss was that wonky Friday night game at USC where USC's wide receivers just made Utah secondary pay. And it was just a weird game with Zach Moss uh, exiting early. Um, yeah, there was the big red zone turnover before uh, halftime. There were all the Utah penalties, which I, I had never seen a Kyle Whittingham team commit that, those, those, uh, that many infractions. And it's too bad that uh, that game happened because I think it, an undefeated Utah is certainly square of in the um, college football playoff discussion right now. Like, I, I love this team. Uh, Tyler Huntley is quietly having one of the better quarterback seasons in the country. I think that he's like, I think he's top 10 in both uh, completion percentage and yards per attempt. I love, uh, Zach Moss is incredible. The defensive line is is either best or second best in the country. Like, there's just so much to like, except for the special teams, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's been their calling card. I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see them sort of where they're at right now. And that the Andy Ludwig offense has really worked. I mean, they're terrific at running the ball um, at a variety of angles, you know, and from a variety of spots. And it, it really opens it up for, you know, Huntley. Who I, I think it is sort of thriving, hitting, you know, a lot of underneath crossing and drag routes that are available in the system. I mean, he torched Cal on those kind of routes. Hey, Rob, I know that um, ASU is on a bye, and I'm just curious what their splits are, because that's a team that had an upward trajectory and then uh, <laughs> may or may not be uh, figuring out some of the holes that they have after the last two weeks. So what, where I know you mentioned their general ranking and beta rank, but like what's their offense look like? And what's their defense right now? 
their offense comes in at 53. Um, their defense has fallen off a bit, down to 48. Uh, I mean, getting lit up by UCLA to do that. But, I mean, they had – I mean, and, and Max talked about it a bit too. I mean, it's hard to – it's almost hard to gauge. Like, how much is the offensive line? How much was the really bad play call? I mean, like, this is going to be true no matter what. Who goes Who goes against UCLA and tries to run the ball? I mean, throw the ball. <laughs> like, UCLA <laughs> can't defend the pass. Uh, and you, Arizona State didn't start doing that till late. Just to, I mean, Arizona State's an interesting, they're a team that looked far, like you're at like a far better earlier on, dropping sort of quickly in the model. I'm, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I wonder with Arizona State if the model has fully caught up to sort of where they are right now. Max, you had mentioned the Utah fan base, and I I love that fan base because they care. I mean, there's times where you'll tweet or we'll tweet something out about another team, and it's just like a you know if a bear poops in the woods and nobody sees, like does it matter? Um, and I, I I'm curious what what are the three fan bases in the Pac-12 that traditionally you've seen uh, be the most vocal, and not even just on Twitter but in general? Uh, well, I mean Utah and Arizona, I, I feel like have to be my top two. Uh, but I mean, the like a lot of it all like Utah and Arizona also both show up big time for Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. I mean, it, it, they're just like two all around really strong fan bases in on Twitter and in real life. But if I'm going for another Twitter one, um, I Colorado's usually pretty strong in that department, honestly. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Washington State's pretty good. We need better fans, uh, Rob, because I haven't heard it from anybody in Washington State in like three years. But uh, what what are some of the fan bases that uh, that get your attention? I mean, I have. I mean, I I interact with, and I, uh, I mean, like, there's a lot of Husky fans out there that I know. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> For sure. Um, I mean, they're an interesting fan base because for all their success, like they're some they're some super salty, super salty folks. Um, I, I like Utah is interesting because they like they, they have been sort of prickly in the past. And I feel like this season, like they're just sort of like, you know, like living it up like I, like Utah fans are far less prickly. I feel like this season, which is almost kind of good. Like, I mean, really just enjoy it. Like this is a great season for Utah and they, they really should enjoy it. You know, it's weird. Like, I feel like we like the Oregon under indexes a bit or they're just sort of like very insular um, and they just sort of hang out in their own little alcove of Twitter. Uh, I suppose, but like there, there are some fan bases, of course, that are like totally non-existent. Like USC has a ton of fans, but like they mostly spend their time like yelling about USC, like on USC pods and things like that. Like, <laughs> keep it in the family. Keep it in the family. Like they have their own problems. Like, like they cannot, they can't be bothered to focus on anything else. <laughs> us, us USC, we're a very insular group, so definitely not surprised by that criticism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they're like you run into them, you know. Like, there's lots of great USC people out there you know on twitter and you know you know in uh, across college football but like they're um like you could you could say really disparaging things about usc and unless it gets retweeted by somebody sort of in the usc universe like uh it's like it, it's like a tree falling in the woods <laughs> yeah actually so the, the friday the usc colorado friday night game i was uh watching at a bar uh, with some college friends and i the one thing that i i dislike with that is that I don't get to read USC Twitter while I'm watching the game because I think for me it just it makes the experience so much more fun just seeing all the complaints and like not like the Scott Wolf type of complaint like troll complaining but you know just like the actual like fan gripes I, like it's just 
it's it's a fan base that's been pent up with frustration over the past decade with incompetent coaching and underachieving. So, yeah. When everybody's on board uh, in self-loathing, it can be very fun. And I speak from experience as an Arizona basketball fan, so I totally understand uh, where you're coming from. Because uh, when you've seen success and that success like is slowly floating away, it can be quite frustrating. But it's really fun to celebrate with fans on Twitter. Uh, all right. With that said, let's get into our our picks for Week 10 right now. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? <laughs> Is William Shatner? You want it? Act of gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Just bust a move. Okay. Alright, we are back and we got one extra game. We had four games. That was it last week, and we still went an hour and a half on this podcast. So we'll try to condense it a little bit here as we have a few more games. And let's start with one o'clock PM, number twelve, Utah at Washington. Big game. I am so excited to see this. And of course, Utah comes off of the, the just inappropriate, filthy walloping of Cal. Utah 35, Cal 0. Utah held Cal to 60 yards passing and 50 yards rushing. And that, that's when you take out sacks. From the start to the end, Utah was just stepping on the throat. I watched like 90% of this game. I finally turned it off at the end because I'm like, well, we all know where this is headed. But Max, what was there anything that really popped at you as you're watching Utah score again and again and again and the inability of Cal? To, I don't think they moved it past the 50-yard line this game. Well, I mean, we talked about this yesterday that or yesterday, last week that I mean, Cal's offensive line, they allowed nine sacks to Oregon State. How in the world were they going to stop Utah's phenomenal defensive line? And, I mean, you, have, you had a freshman quarterback, um, and the defense, which we said ha- has regressed and has really uh, struggled stopping the run, uh, that nightmare came to life uh, in Salt Lake City, too, because Zach Moss, he had a, he had a monster game. And he he is just, he really is a fantastic running back, but I, I mean it's interesting. I, I just can't believe how like it's it, it's been a completely different Cal team since the Chase Garber's injury, and it's going to be a, at least for me, it's a fascinating what if if Chase Garber's was healthy because I actually thought that Garber's made some really nice strides this season, and the fact that Cal's offense looked. I don't want to say good, but it looks like a, a legitimately okay with Garbers under center and with Monster and with Brash. Like it, it's just been a, an unmitigated disaster so far. So yeah, no, it was just Utah taking care of business. It does a complete disservice to that defense. It was funny though. One of the guys from Utah Man Podcast tweeted out, um, "If only Cal's offense were, as, or if only Cal's defense was as bad as its offense, or something like that." Um, basically, just stepping on the throat of the, the defense because they allowed so many points in Utah. Basically, it was moving at will. And one of the problems is when you have an offense that goes three and out all the time, that defense, even Cal's defense, gets gas. But r- frankly, at, by the be- that wasn't necessarily the case in this particular game because Utah just scored at will all of the time but there's been a couple other games where that defense is just left out to dry and you just go oh my gosh can you do anything to get them uh, to keep them off the field for a prolonged period of time but like you mentioned max Zach Moss had a heck of a game, 17 of 15 on the ground with two touchdowns, and then had three receptions for 89 yards. He was just all over the place. Tyler Huntley had a good game. Um, looks a little bit gimpy, 
which is why I think we saw Jason Shelley come in, uh, who also did fairly well. He had touchdown on the ground and touchdown through the air as well. Um, but just something to keep an eye out for because he certainly didn't look healthy, Rob. No, and I, I, I thought Hunt like I, I, I was really curious why they were playing Huntley uh, <laughs> um, after after they were already up, I believe twenty one. Like uh, he he uh, he mostly sat after that, but. Um, he could have, given the way the game was going and how bad Cal's offense looked, like he could have played basically two series and 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 called it. But I mean, I think that it's it's really true. Like the, and we had talked about this going into the game that Cal's defensive, like Cal has a good defense, but they have a huge defensive split on run and pass, and they were they are number nine current after this game. They're number nine. Uh, an effective pass and beta rank, but they're number 74 in effective rush. And Utah's just a team that can run the ball very well. Um, and they certainly did in this game and they ran it all over Cal and it, it opened it up for, for, um, for Huntley uh, to sit back and pick them apart. So uh, really, really good game for Utah in this, but yeah, you're right. Like I, I mean, it's sort of a big, what if for Cal because they looked semi-confident with Garbers and, They've been they've it's they've totally reverted to being last year's form on offense. You're right. That rushing attack opened up. In fact, there was a beautiful play action pass to Brian Thompson, who's one of their younger wide receivers that is starting to emerge. His numbers haven't popped, but he just has a number of big catches and um, is enjoying that Andy Ludwig offense, who has just really been able to open up that pass game. That was one of the things on my end was Utah can't win the Pac-12 by just rushing the ball. They got to at least have a, a pretty competent passing game and they have more than that this year. Uh, Max on the road. So Utah is a three point uh, favorite on the road against Washington. And I just think this is the most interesting matchup of the week. Washington is a good team, but they're certainly struggling on a number of aspects of their uh, offense and defense. And I'm curious what you think about Washington's chances of pulling the upset at home. Well, it's now down to two and a half. Okay. And so uh, that is definitely another, um, you know, the, with the line, it's daring you to take Utah. And that really hurts because I really want to take Utah. Um, but I mean, it, it is, it, it's Washington coming off the bye. I think Cal's ineptitude makes Utah like it, there's, there isn't going to be value taking Utah. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Um, I just think with Washington, with the bye, uh, they're in a, they're in a better spot, but this is also a Washington team that has really struggled defending the run. Uh, and I don't see that changing with Zach Moss and I don't know, like Jacob Eason, like he, he did well against Oregon, but I just think, I think that this Utah defense is a different beast. Um, I really like the emergence of Washington's weapons, though, especially Puka Nakua. I Oh man, it's tough because this line is two and a half. I, I, it's it's like the same exact situation like with the UCLA Arizona State game, where I I knew that the line like based on where the line was that the smart play was to take uh, the home underdog. But I just I love this Utah team too much. It's it's interesting. I'd like to go back and take a look at those trap lines this year where. You know, one team's favored by three or two and a half, and you just go, "Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense." I'm pretty sure that Vegas is five and zero or six and zero on those lines this year. Like they just know and tend to take a look at, at uh, uh, things that are that 
jump off the page outside of the numbers. But I am curious, Rob, how both of these teams match up, particularly Utah's offense against Washington's defense. I think that's a really interesting matchup because Utah seems to be able to to do a lot. It's, they're multidimensional this year where that wasn't normally the case. And Washington still has that young secondary and that defensive line that's that's fine, that front seven that's fine, but isn't dominant. So where are we on those fronts? So Utah comes in with the number 14 offense and beta rank. They have they have become the Andy Ludwig offense we envisioned. They're number 78 in drive efficiency and number 15 in explosive drives. <laughs> so Utah like like they they put up some big plays in this offense. Um, they're number 13 in effective rush. They're number 50 in effective pass. And I don't want to make it sound like Huntley's having a very good year. They're just so good running the football. Uh, as well and I think that like it's like I almost feel that both of those are sort of underrated like Huntley is having a better year than people realize and Utah is also way better at running the football than people realize Washington comes in at 36 Uh, they are they really kind of struggle containing explosive drives they're at number 59 there they are at 51 in effective rush and 41 in effective pass uh, so, and, and they really struggled with the, the defensive line without gains there, without Burke Kirvin there, like, uh, cleaning things up behind, you know, I think what you saw sort of in that Oregon game where Oregon was able to really put their foot down and run the football, Utah really has been able to run the football of late. Um, and I, yeah, like it's, it's a definite advantage for Utah, I think coming into this game. Now it's not to say that, like, I mean, Utah's Washington's got some very bright minds on that defensive staff with Kowatowski and um, Lake, but they're going to have to come up with a good game plan uh, to try to slow it because uh, Andy Ludwig likes to move the ball around in different spaces. I mean, they, they run the ball effectively outside. They run the ball effectively inside with Zach Moss. Um, you know, they can bring in Shelley and run some QB power. I mean, they're, they're an interesting offense. I would assume Rob that Washington isn't going to make most of its hay on its run game this game i think it's going to have to come through the air with jacob eason but uh, i'm wondering if the numbers match up against that thesis so this is i mean this is a big advantage for the youths right now and that is that they're number four in, in beta rank in defense you can uh, like they were they were quite highly rated before they played cal so you know absolutely demolishing the cal offense didn't didn't do that much to move the needle for utah's defense but they're number one in containing explosive drives um, they're number two in effective rush. They're number eight in effective pass. Uh, you know, they've really cleaned some things up since that USC game. Um, and more than anything, like their defensive line is really not only keeping their linebackers clean in the run game. I, I think you should like everyone should take away. Have if you watched uh, Utah play Washington State and then watched Oregon play Washington State, they're both pretty good defenses. Oregon tried to copy Utah's game plan against Washington State, and it didn't work because they don't have the defensive line horses to make that work. Um, I'm interested to see this defensive line against Washington's offensive line because Washington, they grade out at 32 on offense, um, and that's an improvement for where they were. You know, they, they got a little bit of a bump after that Oregon game. Um, they're number 32 in explosive drive, so they they do tend to put up big plays, and they they mostly make it with Easton's arm. So they're number 33 in effective pass, number 43 in effective rush. Um, they were decent, I think, running the football uh, in that, but I think they're still it, it, they're still like relying on Ahmed in this game. You know, like they they might have to go to to just like deeper in their stable of backs on this. Like there's some, there's some, and you, you mentioned it, like there's some guys you like with their wide receiver talent there. 
you know, and, and Utah certainly has some tape out there from that USC game where they struggle with some very talented wide receivers, but it sort of woke them up. I mean, they really put the clamps down uh, and they really slowed down Washington State's talented core of wide receivers in that next game. What does Baderank have the spread at? <laughs> very different, in fact. Uh, Baderank has uh, Utah... Even at taking home field into account is a 13 and a half point favorite. I actually have no qualms this late in the season saying like as long as Utah doesn't turn the ball over, they should go over that two and a half. I, I hate this line. Like, because I'm with Max, where if I see these now, it's like touching a hot stove again. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't want to do that again. Uh, but I've ridden Utah all year, and uh, there have been times where um, I will have thought, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that taking Utah, and Utah's definitely didn't care of business. I think Utah's a better team. I realize this is on the road, I realize it's the Pac 12, but um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, you know, eat at that all you can eat buffet at the casino before throwing my money on the craps game and losing it all. I'll take Utah, but what? Uh, what do you think here, Robert? I'm assuming you're going with the model. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Utes here. I, I mean, I, I think the model is catching how well Utah is playing. I mean, they could obviously go out and lay an egg, you know, in the next game. But the difference between this these two teams so far this season um, is not inconsiderable. It's not some mirage that you know that the, the data is catching. Like this is Utah is you know a better team than Washington is right now, um, and Washington is going to probably have to come up with some turnovers to to turn this into an upset. I would I would say Washington probably needs to finish plus plus two on turnovers. Yeah, just keep an eye on that Huntley injury uh, and see how. Yeah, I'm assuming true. he's playing, but but because he he played this last game, but he was hobbling around a little bit. Max, sounds like you are you going to go contrary? Are you going you gonna to take uh, Washington here? Well, two other things. So one, I, I just think it's it's a bizarre world that I trust Washington's kicker much more in this game than I do Utah's kicker. Like that, <laughs> that's that, that could be an interesting wrinkle if this one ends up being close. And, and I, I like I I I'd be very surprised if, if Utah won by two touchdowns. But I, I think a seven point win like that seems about right to me. And then the other, um, I just. Chris Peterson, at, in in some points, he's been weirdly conservative this year, and I mean, he he definitely deserves uh, his reputation for what he did at Boise. But I just feel like what he's done at Washington, and I know that they made the college football playoff um, one year, but I still feel like he's kind of underachieved in Seattle. Whereas with Kyle Whittingham, like this is a coach I love because of how. He just gets it, like with 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 either going for it on fourth down or making incredible halftime adjustments. Like I, he is probably my favorite Pac-12 coach out of everyone. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm going with Utah too. Like I definitely have to back up my uh, top six in the country claim uh, with the Utes. <laughs> I, just, I just think that they are that they are vastly that. I mean, they, they are vastly better than pretty much every Pac-12 team. And if it's a neutral site in Santa Clara, like I would, t- I would make it Utah at least by a field goal over Oregon, maybe even three and a half. Honestly. Ooh, all right. Well, we'll see if that ends just, up happening. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. I was surprised I everyone mean, this line. I mean, I, this was the line I was eager to see come out because I knew the model was going to. I mean, when I ran the numbers at like nine thirty this morning, I knew it was going to come out like Vegas was going to come out different than where the model had it. But I just, I think it's, I, I just still think it's interesting this close. It almost feels like by reputation because I mean, there's a reason Washington's got three losses. I mean, they're they're not a complete football team, um, and I just. 
I guess I'm a, I'm a little surprised that it was even this close in Vegas. Like I, 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 when I thought like when I thought Vegas would come out and it would be different, of course, but I thought it would still be closer to a touchdown. It just seems like Washington will, or I'm sorry, Utah will handle the run. Um, they'll put some pressure on Eason and I trust their secondary. I, I just do. I mean, particularly if they're making Eason uncomfortable back there. So um, anyway, well, we'll find out. That's why uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch the games when they're on the road. <laughs> so this will be a real test for Utah because they didn't pull through when they played USC on the road. So let's see how they do in Seattle. But let's move on. So 5 p.m. Oregon is a seven point, And I know this has dropped a little bit, but they opened as a seven point favorite on the road at USC. Um, Oregon, of course, coming off of the 37 to uh, 35 win over Wazoo. And Max, you are a USC fan and USC was able to take care of business, albeit at a very narrow margin on the road at Boulder and uh, with a little bit of comeback heroics there from Slovis. Uh, what say you about this matchup here? We're calling that USC win taking care of business. I think that was more survive and advance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I just thought, I mean, like when we were discussing it at 11 and a half, I just thought that was a horrendous spot for USC with all the injuries, short week going to altitude. And I guess with, with a team like Colorado, like they got blown out on the road the previous two weeks. So I thought, that I, I mean, Colorado is bad, but I didn't think that they were that as bad as they had shown in those two games. And so I, I thought that this was a nice recipe for a bounce back week. Uh, that being said, USC has some major issues. That defense, granted, they had a lot of starters that were hurt, but that defense was a total mess against Colorado. And I still feel like 35 points, even. I mean, 35 points you would think is like a good amount, but I still feel like the offense kind of underachieved against Colorado as crazy as it sounds. Um, yeah. And, and I mean the coaching, like I, I just, I just couldn't believe that USC. Well, I mean, I guess I, I could believe because of the spot, but just even, even with all the injuries, the talent discrepancy was, was uh, hot, big in that game. Uh, Colorado came into that game as the third worst team in the country in yards per play allowed. And it just seemed like that USC was far too inconsistent on the offensive end, which, which, um, is definitely a uh, cause for concern. Uh, but here, I guess one point though, I mean, USC has looked like a much different team at home versus on the road this year, which is interesting. And I personally had this USC Oregon game, uh, before the Oregon Washington State game, I had it at uh, Oregon four and a half, and then I dropped it to three and a half after uh, Oregon escaped uh, and beat Washington State by two. So I was very surprised to see this open at seven, uh, and I'm definitely not surprised that that line has dropped. I don't think that Oregon, yeah, like I think that this, I mean, depending on how um, the injuries shape up, this could definitely be an upset spot here for me. Um, and as much as I enjoy bashing Clay Helton, he's been covering Clay as an underdog this year. He's two and zero against the spread if, as an underdog. If you're a trends better, but I, I just I think Oregon's defense against good offenses has has been exposed. Um, I think that this is going to be a close game. I really do. And and then again, it's it's like, um, and and I know that uh, Herbert. And Cristobal and Arroyo, like they definitely impressed on the road in in, in Washington. And this is going to be another spot because I thought that they were really close to losing to Washington. 
And that game, they were a three-point favorite, and now it's at it's at six. And yeah, I think that that line's a, a little too high for me. Hey, before we get to Rob and the numbers here, can you give us a injury report on who? You know, you don't have to go fully in depth, but who are some of the big names that are still questionable in this game? Because this is an injury ward right now in uh, in Los Angeles. Sure. So, I mean, USC's best player on defense is safety Talanoa Hufanga, and he might not play. Uh, star freshman defensive end Drake Jackson is hurt. Uh, their top three running backs, uh, Malapai, Carr, and uh, Marquis Step, they're all hurt. Um, they have Christian Rector, who uh, a defensive, uh, another starting defensive end who, who's hurt. Uh, they have uh, injuries in the linebacking court. It's really like all over, except for uh, Keaton Slovis and the receivers. Which is important because, my goodness, they've been able to take care of business. You know, one of the things that I liked were some of the the passes that uh, ended up happening in the fourth quarter there where uh, USC really needed to get its act together in offense and were able to do so. Um, But, Rob, man, just a ton of injuries. I'm curious, what's the line right now for beta rank, which, by the way, doesn't take into account injuries. So uh, what would be like the raw line that you'd have? So the the line right now, and I was I was surprised. I'm, I'm like Max. I was surprised to see this one as high as it was because Beta Rank has it as Oregon uh, 4.14 oh. uh, in the Coliseum. So uh, Oregon fell a little bit from after the after beating Washington State, um, and particularly their defense. I mean, it was not it was not a good defensive performance. I, I thought Avalos had a really bad game plan um, that Oregon didn't have the talent to execute. And if you, and he didn't make good adjustments to it, uh, during the game. Um, yeah, so it's, this is an interesting game. I think that, uh, Oregon's Oregon on defense, they're, they're coming at number 20 in beta rank. Um, they really still, they're, they're very good at containing explosive drives. They're number 16 there. Um, so that'll be something to watch in this game because USC still is a bit of a more explosive offense. They're number 24 there. Oregon's they're, they're, Pretty good. I mean, after playing Washington State, some of their numbers, they gave up a lot of really big pass plays to Washington State uh, in that game. So they're 28 against the rush, 32 against the pass. Um, They're going to get tested because USC's got the number 10 uh, in offensive effective pass. They're number 83 in uh, effective rush. And you don't expect US. You don't expect USC to really come out and try to run the ball you know, really much in this offense to begin with. But given, the, you know, where they're at a running back, I do expect Oregon to have a better game plan than they had against Washington State <laughs> and Anthony Gordon uh, against USC, you know, on that side of the ball. But uh, that's I, I just I, I'm I'm not all that sanguine about their ability to keep USC from putting up points. And um, it's another very good receiving core that they're going to have to face. And Slovis looked, Slovis looked good at, you know, at points, I, I think, uh, this season. Like, I don't think any, like there, there's real talk that JT Daniels may not get his job back. But Oregon's going to have a tougher time just putting their foot on the gas in this game because USC's defense is not as bad as Washington State's defense, to put it mildly, I guess you could say. Like, USC comes at number 38 on defense. Um, they're pretty good at drive efficiency, so like you can like they're, they're you can put up big plays against them, and and um, and you know like they're not great at getting three and outs, but they do find ways to get off the field, and some of that is Pendergast blitz. But they're number thirty six in effective pass, number fifty eight in effective rush. Some of that doesn't bode quite well, you know, for facing an Oregon team that really likes to run the football. But Oregon still, I mean, they're they grade out. They're number twenty on offense. 
but they're still a little like they're 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 a little unbalanced for what they're actually good at. They're number twenty one in effective pass versus number forty two in effective rush, uh, and yet they still have this. Even like yeah, they were able to run the ball against Washington State. I don't know that they're going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they did against the Cougars, who are a bit small and undermanned against this USC defense, even with the injuries who have a lot of, you know, very highly regarded players there. Oh, I don't know. Like I'm with you, but gosh, like almost Max basically named every important player. <laughs> you know, Like that's either questionable or injured on USC aside again from their wide receiving core. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that, Oregon's pass defense is fine, but it's not elite. Um, and they're going to need to really step up in order to cover this spread. But I, I really would normally take SC, but just all of those injuries, like I can just see a scenario where Oregon just kind of grinds through and ends up winning over time, like in covering that, that seven point spread. But I don't know who are you going to take Rob? It's seven. I'm taking USC. I mean, if it, if it, if it dropped down to like three or something, like I'm probably going to take the ducks, but at seven, I, I think the Trojans are a, a better play. Oh my goodness. All right, Max, you're taking, you're taking uh, SC as well. Uh, well, I, I guess two other things I want to say first, uh, one USC has been like the quintessential bend don't break defense this yeah. season. Uh, and that was the, like, that was the case until the Colorado game because Colorado uh, on their four red zone trips, three of them were touchdowns. And so I thought that USC would definitely reg- uh, regress in that area. And if that Colorado game was the start, then they're in some big time trouble. And then the other thing is another uh, angle that I've been looking at. I know that Graham Harrell's air raid is much different uh, schematically than Mike Leach's, but there's still a similar overall like general philosophy and so Oregon faced Washington State this past game and now they play USC this week and it was kind of like with Colorado like they played Washington State the week before they played USC and Colorado covered that uh Utah played USC and got and lost that game and then absolutely crushed Washington State so maybe just like having uh experienced the game before against a you know, a, a similar type of offense can help out a defense. And so that those two points kind of make me a little nervous to take USC. But yeah, definitely at, at seven, like I, 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 that game shouldn't be a touchdown. I think it should be closer to four and a half, uh, four. All right. I'll, I'll hop on board with you guys and I'll take a USC. I think you're right. Seven is a lot, but the, the injuries do worry me. But um, I'm assuming some of those players end up playing and, um, and SC is quite good in the Coliseum, uh, even if it's quiet. Uh, it's just a good venue for them. One, one more item on Oregon. Just want to highlight zero turnovers in that game against Wazoo. And that really made the difference. I mean, Herbert was 21 for 30 for 220 yards. We saw Juwan Johnson sighting four receptions and CJ Verdell just tore it up. We got to give him some props. 23 carries, 257 yards, three touchdowns, including an 89 yard gash. He just really, really took it to uh, Washington state and had himself a really good game. So um, shouts to them. And, and again, zero turnovers. And when you had Washington state have two interceptions and one of them in the end zone so uh that was the difference in that game 
All right, moving on, we have two more games coming up, and uh, one of them that I that I know Max is going to really want to talk about. But before we do, we've been talking about the spreads on this podcast. We talk about gambling on this podcast. We are halfway through college football season, are pushing towards the college football playoffs, the NFL playoffs, the NBA season is finally here. And if you haven't gotten in on the action, now is the time. Check out mybookie.ag. It's a book that I personally use, mybookie.ag. In addition to traditional spreads and totals, they have basically anything out there that you want to bet on. They have it with quarters, halves, periods on the ice, player props, fantasy, PGA, NASCAR, soccer, and more. Now is the best time to get on the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag, and if you use the promo code OVERTIME, they will match your first deposit. So if you're looking at dipping your toe in the water and you want to you know, get a little bit of cushion there, um, I've actually used the OVERTIME promo, and it matched our uh, our deposit. We put $100. It gave us another $100 they were able to use on some really fun parlays and stuff. So if you're interested in getting in on the action, mybookie.ag, use the promo code overtime, get your first deposit doubled. MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Moving on, we have an interesting matchup here. I am fascinated by this Colorado UCLA game. I just wanted to see what the spread was. UCLA is a four and a half point favorite at home. Finally being favored at one point. UCLA fans got to be pretty excited about that. Um, of course, they came off of the 42 to 32 thumping of ASU. And this was the one game, Max, that I wasn't able to see. So I'm curious, um, you know, aside from UCLA just stomping on the throat of ASU, uh, was there anything that popped out in terms of, of uh, UCLA? performance because uh, it didn't seem like Dorian Thompson Robinson had a giant game it seemed like Joshua Kelly was the story but anything else here that was of particular interest yeah no, no I, I agree with you um, I mean there were UCLA receivers that were open uh, and I mean you uh, Thompson Robinson also took some bad sacks in that game and I guess the one positive thing that you can say about Colorado's defense is that especially with a healthier Mustafa Johnson, because he's been hurt, uh, they can rush the passer. And I guess it wasn't that wasn't the case against USC and their um, patch. Well, not mediocre to below average offensive line. So that's somewhat concerning. But Arizona State, I mean, they they don't I mean, they haven't had a consistent pass rush this whole season. And it felt like that they were still able uh, to get to Dorian Thompson Robinson. But I guess the the point that uh, Rob made um, with that, basically Arizona State wasn't throwing the ball nearly as much as they should against UCLA's secondary. Um, UCLA's run defense has been much better um, than their past defense. And I know that uh, <laughs> I've been some, I've been sort of negative, especially at the beginning of the season with about offensive coordinator, Jay Johnson and Colorado is still going to try and run the ball in this game, but they have some really nice uh, aerial weapons and Montez looked good against USC. And I know that UCLA is now the flavor of the month here in the PAC 12, but, and the line has moved from four and a half to five and a half. I'm probably going to go with Colorado in this game. Yeah, the five and a half. I'm surprised that it popped up a little bit. 
Um, you know, you had mentioned Colorado. One, one more thing with you talked about Dorian Thompson Robinson taking some bad sacks. He had two more fumbles in this game. I mean, that guy has to have at least nine to 10 fumbles on the season. And I'm not exaggerating. It's just really, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback lose the ball in his hands that many times as Dorian Thompson Robinson. I wonder if he's like bumping up onto some sort of like infamous record in regards to quarterbacks fumbling the ball. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, talking about Colorado USC here, uh, you're right. I mean, like, obviously, Colorado was due for a bounce back. They had two really bad games. I think it was zero touchdowns, six picks for Steven Montez. I watched uh, almost all of this USC Colorado game. One of the things that really stood out, like you mentioned, uh, Max is there's some great tools. LaVisca Chenault looked healthy. He had himself a heck of a game. Nine catches, 172 yards and a touchdown. That's what happens when he's healthy. But again, you have the wide receivers of Tony, uh, Tony Brown and Katie Nixon. It just seems like Rob Colorado is going to be able to pass against this UCLA, uh, defense because surprise, everybody's been able to pass against this UCLA pass defense. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is an interesting matchup, uh, for that because it actually both these defenses stink covering the pass but this uh but one quarterback's a little better than the other one i know well yeah absolutely like i mean you definitely would take the red baron and i i think the model's a little slow right now on colorado because they they did have some really bad performances um that they may sort of be waking up from so their offense only comes in graded out at number 59 ucla is is grading out at 56 on defense Colorado comes in at number 37, an effective pass. You know, they, they might be higher than that if everything's clicking. Um, they're number 76, an effective rush, so not really the greatest rushing offense out there. They did run the ball fairly effectively against uh, USC, but I felt like that was more of a reflection of USC just, you know, like not not doing their job against a, a Colorado offensive line that's sort of only been okay all season in, in the rush. Hey, let me let um, me just address that real fast with, with Colorado's rush game. Cause I totally agree with you. I thought they were able to move the ball. One of the things that's super surprising about Colorado is those, those freshmen like Mangum and, uh, yeah. the other guy's name, um, Oh my gosh, you can't believe he's escaping Fontenot. me right now. Yeah, Fontenot. Those guys are going to be good for a number of years. Like they are very talented, but it seems like every game I've watched. I think every Colorado game this this year, except for like one or two, and every one of those games, they always look like they have more yards than they end up collecting at the end of the game. Like, wow, Fontenot looks great. He must have had like 87 or 90 yards or whatever. It ends up being like 50. So for whatever reason, they have these beautiful runs where they're able to stretch and get those extra two yards or there's a breakthrough thing and maybe they're caught like before they get the touchdown. But for whatever reason, I don't think Colorado's had a dominant run offense this entire entire year but they are able to move the ball which opens up the pass i just uh, that always just stuck sticks out for me every time i watch a colorado game but sorry anyway yeah. that was a big tangent but continue <laughs> no and they're coming into this game and we've talked about this and, and max you know hit on it you know like usc has a good rush defense they grade out number 19 and effective rush and beta rank like yeah. they are going to stop you um if you try to run the ball particularly between the tackles where, where ucla is is they're a little better they've, they've improved a little bit and that certainly helped but they're still bad as their number 95 an effective pass like you can absolutely throw on this d de- on this defense you know asu early in the going chose chose not to um for whatever reason so that that really hurt them in this game i think that uh what will be interesting in this game is if in the model has ucla as a, a big favorite in this game at and i don't know that i'm 
I don't know that I agree with the model here uh, because I do think that Colorado is, is, is better than where they're at right now. But UCLA is nine and a half in beta rank. That said, like where if, if UCLA is going to, to live up to that, they're going to have to throw the ball because this Colorado defense is not very good. They're at number 96. UCLA's offense is currently grading out at number 41, um, you know, rolling after just, you know, blowing the doors off Stanford um, and ASU in back-to-back weeks. But Colorado's number 47 in effective rush. They're number 122 in effective pass. So if Thompson Robinson is going to figure it out and have a really great breakout game, it's got to be against this this Colorado, you know, pass defense because everybody's been, everybody's been able – Colorado State let these guys up. Um, everybody's been able to throw against Colorado. You know, Colorado's number 47 in effective rush. They're a little bit of a tougher rush rush defense. And this may not be a game where you can rely on Kelly to come out there and, and just execute. So we'll see. I mean, one of the things that I, I don't like uh, UCLA's offensive line looks like they're putting it's not just Kelly. Like they their offensive line looks like they're putting it together a little bit better. I'm interested to see if that holds because that Colorado rush number it's a big jump up from their past number, but it's not, it's still not great. Like being number 46, 47 and effective rush isn't amazing. So I don't know. I'm interested. I mean, this is an, this is a very interesting game to me for uh, two teams that are sort of trending up in the model. And um, I'm not quite sure at this point that like given their sort of like way up and down performance where they're going to sit in this game. Well, I think we buried the lead too. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson left the Colorado game or the ASU game. Yeah, early. that's true. So, like, I don't know if he's yeah. going to come back and if he's going to be the quarterback. It seems like is it Austin Burton hasn't been terrible, but he's not going to light the world on fire. Like, I don't know, Max. Do you see a big drop off between Thompson Robinson and Burton? Uh, I mean, Grant, it is the limited sample size with Burton, but I don't think that the quarterback switch would be worth more than like two points. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Oh, and, and how many, by the way, Rob, how many trick plays does Jay Johnson pull out of his butt in this game? Because it is so fun <laughs> watching them just do really just crazy, crazy stuff. Well, I mean, he's got to have at least like two or three in this game, right? And they're all going to go to Chenault or or he's going to decoy in, in one of them or something mm-hmm. along those lines, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, like when Colorado is interesting, they're finding they're finding ways to get Chenault the ball in unexpected ways, I think, knowing what a talent he is. But the rest of their wide receivers have been good. Nixon and Brown, like they're going to be tough to cover in this game uh, for UCLA secondary. And I, I don't know, I mean, like, Burton, from what we've seen of him, he's a pretty decent passer. He gets through his reads. What he doesn't bring that Thompson Robinson brings is that extra dimension. And Robin Thompson Robinson's been using it more this season as his ability to run the football. Oh, I was gonna say so one thing about this game that doesn't make sense to me at all, how did how is this total sixty only sixty-three? Because what? that's at sixty-three. Oregon USC is at sixty-one and a half. And Oregon State, Arizona's at 73. Like, there's no way Colorado UCS should only be at 63 and, and, and Arizona, Oregon State is 10 points higher. Like, I can't believe that the total is so low. That's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I guess, I guess the argument would be um, yes, Colorado's secondary is bad, but how good is that quarterback and wide receiving core at UCLA? So most of those, points i guess would have to be on the ground does that make sense max i mean i think colorado's defense is pretty miserable throughout <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah like I, I hold on i just want to look i just want to look at all their scores uh from the season and see if any of their games 
are, are besides the Oregon game, like, let's see. So it's it their their games have been 83, 65, 53, 65, 65, 48, 51, 66. Yeah, you, I, I, I think 63. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm totally I'm 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 tracking with you because, I mean, Colorado is going to at least score, what, 30 to 35 in the game? Like minimum? Yeah, like I think that this is I, I think that the floor of this game is like a thirty four, thirty five like a thirty five, thirty one or thirty four, thirty one type of game. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. That that might be one of the ones that I get down on. That does that make sense to you too, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I mean these defenses are so bad. Um, both of them really. And the way Colorado likes to throw the ball, I mean, if the game does get out of hand, like I would still expect, you know, if the game gets out of hand for either team, it's going to be, you know, like 45, you know, 45, 25 or something along those lines. Nice. Good call, Max. Um, yeah. Like I like Oregon. Yeah. Like Oregon USC should not be a point and a half less than UCLA Colorado. No way. Well, I'm definitely in on that. I'm going to take Colorado, even if it's four and a half, and I'm glad that it's bumping up. I mean, if that line is moving, then you might be smarter to sit on it for a bit and then pounce like as the as the game progresses, as the week progresses before the game starts. But, um, Rob, it sounds like you're well, – who are you going with? Are you going to split up with uh, Beta Rank there? I feel like I am in this game. I just I, – I don't like this matchup at all for UCLA, and I'm st- – I'm just not convinced that they can fully exploit how bad Colorado's secondary is given who they have. All right, Max, are you going to fly with the Red Baron here? Wow. So we're unanimous on the first three games. That's <laughs> that's good. Good. Ruh-roh. That well. we're all, I guarantee you we're all going to agree on this last one, too. It's going to be a really weird week. Oh, yeah. That's that super bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the game, but let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back, and we're talking uh, a game that th- th- this is this is the one that I think is going to perplex all of us. One thirty p.m. Oregon State is a seven point dog on the road at Arizona, who just fired their defensive coordinator Marcel Yates. Arizona, of course, came off of a thirty one to forty one loss to Stanford, where KJ Costello just threw all over this uh, this Arizona defense and and also ran over them. I mean, they kind of did whatever they wanted, Rob. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was mostly the KJ Costello show uh, in this game. Arizona was not able to to move Costello off of his spot. Um, he made some great throws. Arizona had some really inexplicable choices uh, on who was doing coverage in this game, and and left some guys out on an island. I mean, some of the, and Stanford went after. They were quite smart about it. They um, they went after Arizona safeties um, whenever they got a chance, uh, and it, they really lit them up in this game. And it was it was. In the second half, both I mean Arizona also had a pretty good offensive first half, and um, and and both offenses sort of sputtered a little bit. There were some adjustments in the second half made by the defenses, but I think the big thing in the second half was uh, I mean just a horrendous fourth quarter for Arizona's offense. Uh, two turnovers from Khalil Tate, um, and some really bad. I mean Grant Gannell took a really really inexplicably bad sack. 
you know, that when Arizona had like, you know, if, if they would have converted those into points, like, you know, they, they, they probably go into overtime with Stanford, but yeah, just a probably like the worst first half since the Hawaii game for Arizona's defense um, and a pretty bad second half by the offense. Just all around. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Arizona had 500 yards of offense. They split their quarterback, so you're going to see Tate with a lot more, um, uh, a lot more pass attempts. But particularly in the first half, you had Tate come out and then Gannell come out, and then Tate. They were doing the dual quarterback thing, which actually worked in the beginning. Kind of. Sh- really put Stanford on their heels. And I think it opened up the opportunity for Khalil Tate to get a 57 yard touchdown. I mean, like one of those old school Khalil Tate just blows through the the defensive line and he's gone. Nobody's going to catch him. He had one of those, but two just terrible, terrible picks, both of them, the Paulson Adebo. I mean, (laughs) in one of them, you just staring Paulson Adebo in the eyes and through like an out route midfield. And yeah, that, that you don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. And that, that was the reason why. Uh, So Arizona, was able to move the offense it was just the defense that was such a mess and it seems like every year every uh, game with Arizona it's a coin flip on which of their units is going to underperform this game this time it was the defense uh, like you mentioned Rob KJ Costello 30 of 43 312 yards three touchdowns zero picks uh, Cameron Scarlett more than 100 yards and two touchdowns and I guess the one thing to keep in mind is I, I've been making the mistake on this podcast of saying, well, like Arizona's running back core is pretty good. You have Brightwell and Tilford. And even if JJ Taylor is injured, like they're still going to be able to move the ball. That may be true, but I, you know, just watching JJ Taylor against Stanford this game, I mean, he is significantly better than any of the other guys they have there. And he's fully healthy and he'll be playing against Oregon State. But Max, um, I, I just, I don't trust this. Arizona defense, even with a new defensive coordinator, to take on the juggernaut that is uh, that is the Oregon State offense and the pass the, the pass offense they have there. They have Artavius Pierce, who looks excellent. It seems like Oregon's going to be Oregon State's going to be able to move the ball against this Arizona team. Yeah, if I'm being frank, I don't think Arizona should be a touchdown favorite over anyone in the Pac-12, and let alone my Oregon State Beavers, who have come through for me so many times this year. Um, and I mean, Oregon state, they're coming off a bye, So they've had, uh, extra time to prep for Arizona. Uh, and then Arizona, obviously with, uh, the Marcel Yates firing, uh, at defensive coordinator, it's kind of like, especially since it's happening during a game week and not on a bye week, that's going to be a huge transition for a defense that's already been struggling. So, and I mean, Oregon state, like, uh, their, their defense still is pretty bad, but the difference from this year to last year is that this year they're forcing so many more tackles for loss and that's forcing opposing offenses to get into second and third longs. And that's enabled Oregon state to get off the field more often. And I think that with Arizona, I think it's going to be a similar kind of deal, especially um, if Khalil Tate does his signature uh, run out of bounds and take a six yard loss instead of throw the ball away move. It's, it's what's going to get them noticed by NFL scouts here, Max. That's, that's the reason. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Oregon state's been pushing errors or pushing teams into second and long and third and long. If you've watched any of these Arizona games, that's the last thing you want Khalil Tate doing because he just is not an accurate quarterback. He makes bad decisions. If you're pressuring him, it really puts some in a spot that you don't want Tate doing, which is like trying to, uh, like improvise without being able to run a ton. Um, it, it's just, it's just bizarre. And I just think that the defensive line of Oregon state's going to put a lot of pressure on Arizona's offensive line, which has really struggled as of late Rob. 
I mean, yes, somewhat. But I, I mean, Oregon State's defense still ranks at 117. And if you just look at their raw metrics, they're giving up a little over three points per drive. So, yes, like I, 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 I do think that like Oregon State's uh, like defense has looked a little better late. They've also had the advantage of getting to play Cal when Cal has been dropping like a rock, um, <clears throat> getting UCLA, uh, you know, and like Stanford when Stanford was, you know, running, you know, not playing with KJ Costello. So I do, th- I do think Arizona is going to be able to score in this game. I mean, Arizona comes in at number 56 in, in beta rank on offense. You know, they're number 38 in effective pass. I mean, Oregon State's just bad. I mean, they're 108 in effective rush, 114 in effective pass. They do they do get more tackles for a loss, um, but they often also give up uh, and allow conversions um, for, you know, uh, and allow teams out. This is the, the, the tough part here, though, if you're Arizona, is that Oregon State's offense comes in at number 15, and – that they're they are very good. They're number three in drive efficiency. They have some excellent play calling put uh, with Jonathan Smith there. They're, Arizona comes in at number seventy three, and Arizona's they're really falling off against the run uh, and allowing Stanford, who has struggled to run the football uh, for two years, to run the football. Them I think really hurt their numbers. So they're number ninety seven in effective rush. Oregon State's number thirty nine in effective rush. They're number sixteen in effective pass. Um, absolutely watch out for, um, you know, their, their wide receivers, Hodgkins and, um, Luton should have a good game. Luton's sort of under the radar, I think in the PAC 12 for the kind of year he's having their number 16 in effective pass. Arizona's number 49. Neither team has a huge special teams advantage or Oregon State's number 94, Arizona's number one of seven. Um, I just, I, I think when it, in this game, I think the tough thing, uh, in this game is that, uh, Oregon State's probably going to score often enough that it's it's going to feel a little bit like the Stanford game where Arizona's like m- going to have to keep up, and that's where I think if that pressure gets on the Arizona offense, they can make mistakes. They may. I mean, how many big plays, Max, do you think Arizona gets in this game? I mean, it's got to be at least three, like just long touchdowns. Uh, yeah. I mean, Arizona's an explosive offense, and and Oregon State's definitely prone to giving up big plays. So yeah, no. I, I mean, I can totally see that happening, but I trust Oregon State's offense more than I do Arizona's offense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 what did, Rob? Did you say what Arizona's offense was ranked? Because Oregon State's was fifteen. Uh, Arizona's offense is number fifty-six. So this this game's interesting. Like Beta Rank basically has this as, as a would be a full toss up on a neutral field, um, and Arizona is only a two point three point favorite with the home field advantage in this game. Uh, but yeah, that's closer to what I, I I think that Arizona the highest line I would have for this game is three and a half. Like I, I think that these two teams are definitely more even than what the Vegas line suggests. Yeah. That's fair. I think one thing to keep a lookout for is the dual threat, uh, dual threat, the, the dual quarterback system again, for good or for worse. Uh, it looks like Kevin Sumlin is throwing his hands up and said, you know what, if Tate isn't going to get take care of business, we're going to see Grant Cannell. And Grant Cannell is a much better fit for Arizona's offense. I mean, he just knows he's a system quarterback. Like he gets Noel Mazzoni, what he's trying to do. He's not, he's okay with doing the check down. And, um, and Tate is just so boom or bust. And usually it's bust in this last year. So I don't know. Keep a lookout for that. I don't know what that means in terms of point 
point total, but um, it is definitely something that we can see, which you may see a more efficient offense, but less explosive offense if Canal gets on the field more often. But I'll take the points. I'll take Oregon State. It sounds like, uh, Rob, you're what do you get? What does Bader Ake have the, the spread here? At 2.3, just Ooh. Arizona is just a very small favorite in this game, and it's really only the home field advantage. It, Oregon State actually comes in slightly higher ranked at number 65, and Arizona's at number 69 in this game. I, I, the the one watch out here is uh, if Arizona can run the ball effectively in this game, then uh, then it could get ugly. Then it could get really ugly. Then I think for uh, Oregon State, even with as good as the Beavers' offense has been, um, and as bad as uh, Arizona's uh, defense has been, like if if Arizona's able to run the ball effectively and not have to rely on the quarterback as much, then then they could then they then they could you know get that seven. But I'd be surprised. I, I think. I think Arizona struggles with their uh, Oregon State's offense in this game. Who are you going to take? I'm taking the Beavers. Okay. Hey, Max, what's the point total in this game? You said it was like 70? 73. Oh, yeah, dang. Is that too high for you? Yeah, yeah. Like, I I think that that's too high. Oh, dang. Because I think there's going to be a lot well, of points. I, I think, I, I think, yeah, no, I think, I think Colorado UCLA is easily the best total on the board okay. for this week. Uh-huh, that's good. All right, so you're taking uh, you're taking the beeves too. Back the beeves. We're <laughs> well, back. <laughs> well, nobody's going to gain on anybody this week because we've all picked the same picks. I think all four games. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how we do. Oh my gosh, it's probably going to be a uh, zero and four, but we shall see. Um, anything to plug, Max? What's going on with you at uh, Sports Illustrator right now? Yeah, just uh, SI gambling. Um, best bets will be up probably. Thursday, I'd imagine. Uh, I mean, I already, I already know two best bets from this pot alone. Hopefully, the numbers don't shift too much. And I'm pretty sure I have a third one as well. But I'm going to keep an eye on the injury situation. Um, and then, yeah, and you can follow me at the Max Meyer on Twitter. Uh, come for the uh, Brazen Utah takes and and stay. <laughs> I guess for other Pac-12 analysis and, and for betting picks. Do we want to do best bets as well after uh, Rob closed? Yeah, yeah, let's see that. Rob, uh, what's going on at Sharp College Football here? Uh, by the way, like, just so much stuff up there. Baderank called, the, like I mentioned, the the Texas Christian upset. Um, Baderank has done a really good job picking the the straight-up underdogs against the favorites. Like, that, that has been... Uh, in addition to, I, I think your uh, beta rank is well above like, 50% against the spread. Um, it does an excellent job picking, you know, where, where there's the discrepancy in the spread. I, I've been tracking a lot of that stuff recently and the, the results are, are quite good. And, and basically you can see anything that's anything on uh, sharp college football. So what's, how's beta rank doing on the year and what's going on the site? Uh, beta rank is just above 59% against the spread on the year. Uh, that's like really said, good. Like that's, yeah, that's very impressive. Almost, almost 63% last week. Uh, so I, I'm like, I'm super pumped. I mean, it's, I mean, of course I, we will, we will hype it up and then it'll just have a dog week this week. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm for, like, there's a lot of tools available on the site. If you want to look and compare teams, um, you know, the, the tools are there for that. If you want to go through and look at team schedule, um, like we have, so many, so many different tools uh, available on the site to, to, to compare advanced statistics. So, um, yeah. And if you have any questions, hit me up. I'm at Beta Rank FB or Sharp College Football. Okay. Let's get to best bets here. Max, what do you got? 
Uh, uh, ooh, I don't, I don't really like to make totals best bets, so I'm, I'll stay away from UCLA or best bets as in not best bets for SI, but like my best bet for Pac-12. I'm going Oregon State, and USC is is a close second as well. Okay, Rob, what do you got? Especially at especially at plus seven. I'm gonna I would put my money where my mouth is. I think I'm taking Utah. Like I just I I think the Utes are rolling. Um, I think that they've they've grown in and figured out Andy Ludwig's offense, and I I really like their ability to to not have to send extra pressure in this game. Like last year, they crumpled Washington's. I mean that those Utah Washington games last year were dang near unwatchable from a do you like offense perspective. But <laughs> I don't even. I don't think that they're going to have to send extra rushers like they did last year, um, sending their linebackers um, to be able to get pressure on Eason. And I think that's going to really complicate what Washington does. What's what's Washington's rush defense? One more time. Uh, Washington's rush defense is number 51. Yeah. All right. Give me give me I'll make Utah my best bet. And then I will add on as a one one B the uh, Oregon State. I think Oregon State at least covers, if not wins that game at Arizona. So we'll keep a lookout for that. Uh, great. So, and again, Max, you were over and under, though. You wanted the over for Colorado and UCLA, right? Uh, not for best bet, but you're just keeping uh, an eye on that one. I mean, I mean, I was about, yeah, that'll definitely be an SI best bets. Unless, like, only way that it wouldn't, I get, I mean, I, I don't think Burton is that big of a downgrade from Thompson Robinson. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that total, I mean, unless it shoots up to like 70, then I'm pretty sure that's going to make best bets too. And what's it at 63 right now? So it opened at 63 and it's at 64. <laughs> it went up. Perfectly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I have to hope that that line does not go up more. <laughs> so I, yeah, I would recommend if if. I'm probably going to play this very I'm probably going to play this like very early in the week just do some last second research and see why Vegas is offering free money uh before actually taking it. <laughs> That's what the podcast is for. Get those kicks in early. Uh right on. Well, hey, thanks guys for tuning in. We will catch you next week as the season continues to roll on and appreciate you tuning in. If you like it, leave a review. We'd appreciate that. We're kind of a new podcast particular with Max. It'd be nice to get um some reviews out there so if people are looking for the Pac-12 uh podcast that we pop up and uh they can get in on this sweet sweet action. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next week.